Soul Talk Podcast is your guide to all things wellness. On this podcast, you'll find many episodes with the scope and focus on health, wellness and life. Episode 23 of Soul Talk Podcast is with Antrim GAA goalkeeper Chris Kerr. Chris in the past couple of years has become a mental health advocate after having suffered with depression and anxiety himself due to the passing of his dad in 2013. Chris has also done his ACL in twice and continued to play on <laughs> and he talks about his experience with injury and mental health. Chris is really open and honest about his journey and it was a pleasure to have him on just to have a a real life normal conversation with a really nice guy. So here's the episode. Okay, so Chris, thanks for coming on. No problem. Thanks for having me, Carla. How are you? I'm all good. Can't complain. Busy with football and stuff. So. And a baby Aye. on the way. And a baby on the way. Obviously, <laughs> that'll be that'll be extra busy, like so. Oh, I know. Um, Enjoy the night. All good. Good. <laughs> good. Well, um, look, I um, I want to thank you for coming on, um, in general, but also for coming on to talk about a topic that is. Um, obviously very personal and um, yeah like very close to your heart and, and all mm-hmm. that and the, what we're going to talk about mostly is um, injury, mental health and we're actually recording this during mental health week which we weren't mm-hmm. really aware of until, <laughs> well maybe you were right but it didn't really cross my mind um, <laughs> so it's really fitting actually um, and you've done like loads of, um, you've done some podcasts, you've done loads of talks in the past couple of years, you've started mm-hmm. really ramping that up and yeah. um, I've seen lots of your activity on LinkedIn and, and all that. So um, just kind of to start off, I would love to hear a wee bit about that. So like how you got into doing all these talks and, and what that, that work means to you really. Yeah. Um, so I suppose it, it really started probably it was maybe 2018 so four years ago um, I had um, on the well my dad had passed away in 2013 um, and obviously the, the impact it had on me um, my own mental health um, deteriorated for, for a while during that um, and then being a proud Westie even though I'm residing in Armagh now I um, was just constantly reading about in particular, you know, young men suffering from mental health, high rates of suicide. Um, and I just felt that if I could share what I went through, yes, struggled, but was able to come out the other side of it. Um, and someone was able to resonate with that, or it was a kick up the arse for someone to go and get help, then then brilliant. Um, and it just sort of it just sort of went from there. I think it just I think why I done it as well is that um, everyone either has or will lose a parent at some stage. So um, I, I'm sure most people have or, or will resonate with it at some stage. Um, and I suppose it was really just people started contacting um, between GA clubs, um, 
some businesses, different um, different workshops, different charities, um, and they were, it was just the same thing because a lot of the a lot of um, the issues that they were having or people coming to them with was with grief and with either dealing with it or not. And um, again, in particular, probably men aren't aren't the best at dealing with it and sort of just bottle it up and keep it themselves, and then it just sort of bubbles over into you know something more serious. So. Um, just really it, um, went to Brussels in 2008 to, or 2018, sorry, that same year, um, to European Parliament on behalf of the GPA. So it's the Gaelic Players Association. They were the ones that um, provided all the help and support through counselling, CBT counselling um, with it. So I went to European Parliament on World Mental Health Day in 2018 and, and shared my own experiences and ups and downs um that I had so yeah I've just been really doing it um anytime I'm asked to do it or sure um I'll do it because you, you never know who will need it or, or who it may help along the way yeah exactly and is it all about grievance and, and all that or is is it about sort of because obviously you're going in to speak to different sport clubs and, mm-hmm. and all that and there's obviously such a uh, a massive link between sport and mental health especially from a a male perspective having to be this big tough guy and get on with it sort of mentality and is like do you do work around that as well yeah well I suppose it's just um like when like I'm six foot four uh, as well So, so I suppose that feeds into the whole sort of stereotype of you know you have to playing GA where you're you're sort of taught from no age, play hard and fair and show no basically no weakness to the opposition, all this stuff. Um I suppose putting yourself out there, the biggest fear for me was probably like if someone said something to me on the pitch about it, you know, how would I react? Probably, you know, thankfully not nothing's ever been said, like, but um I think all that was probably my biggest fear. Um I think as well, just even over the last three years now like um as well with with injuries that i've had uh long-term injuries so um i think just speaking around it and not only the like we're quick enough to speak about physical injuries um but we're not so quick to speak about phys- our mental injuries if, if we've had them or if anyone is struggling whether it's you know grief or addiction or you know financial worries relationship breakdown um whatever it may be like just you know a lot of people can relate that hopefully yeah um assess the thing like no matter what it is like we all have our own things that trigger us and that make us feel you know certain ways and like we'll talk about trauma a wee bit in a while but um like what may be a traumatic incident might not be traumatic to you and what might all very individual you know what i mean and vice versa um and so let me let me go um sort of to the side a wee bit and talk um I seen this this sort of um quote by a PhD and clinical sports psychologist um Dan Willow I don't mm-hmm. know I mean, you've probably you probably know him or whatever but um I read something and it was just online and um when I was doing a wee bit of research to talk to you about this um, particular topic for this episode mm-hmm. and he said that it's not uncommon for injuries to fuel feelings of isolation frustration anxiety and even depression 
So um, obviously you've had a whole journey with grieving and mm-hmm. um, you've had a whole journey with, with the, the mental health and, and um, you've been very open about that. Um, talk to me a wee bit about particularly your injury and how yeah. that's impacted your mental health. Yeah. Um, so like, obviously the, the first, I've done it twice, the same injury twice, back to back. So, which is your cruciate ligament or ACL. Um, so it's probably every sports person's worst nightmare. I think you, you, you play your whole career thinking, I'll take any injury, bar it. You know, I think it and probably a, an Achilles rupture is probably known as the two worst. Um, so the first time I'd done it, it was a journey game. Um, just very innocuous, slipped, went to change the reaction, slipped, heard this crunching sensation in my knee. <laughs> Not for anyone screaming or eating their dinner, like, but uh, <laughs> I just heard it and I felt it at the time and squealed the place down the first time um and it was in that probably that much shock it was a, a, a bit of hole in my gum shield just out of bit like just because it happened and then i think what happened was so toilet basically like your cruciate ligament holds your shin goes through your kneecap and holds your it's connected to your thigh bone so it stops any moving so uh i got up so I suppose first of all you go to I went and got X-ray thinking I've broke my knee or dislocated my kneecap, and uh, there was no break, no fracture. So got a went for an MRI and a couple of physios I don't know checked it out. There's like a test you can do where they sort of test if the shin bone will move, but it was it wasn't really given a reading that you've done your cruciate or your ACL. Um, and then I went to Belfast Knee Clinic to see Chris Connolly, who's like a knee guru um he just deals in knees and um as soon as i walked into him he just says you've you've tore your acl and you've you've tore a cartilage in your knee um and i was just like all you hear is like straight away it's minimum nine months you're out um from operation from from operation to probably return so it happened um initially obviously devastated because you're used to playing used to playing and training three, four times a week with 30 plus fellas, all your mates, um, played for, played for St. Gaul since I was five. Um, the first time I was 33 when I'd done it. So, um, I was just like, usually if at that age, you're starting to come to the, the end like of playing. Um, but just got out of then. He told me six weeks, um, six weeks of like rehab had done before the operation. Um, it sort of puts you in a good position before the op um, went in, got it done and got it done on the 3rd of September, 2018 or, or sorry, 2019. Um, done the, well, he came in to me the next day actually to give a bit of context to like, he came in the next day and says, out of the eight I've done yesterday, I woke up thinking of yours, which isn't a good saying. Um, I done uh, bad cartilage damage on the outside of the knee, which sort of leaves it bone on bone on the outside. Um, he basically said at that time, you know, it's 50-50 here whether you'll make a full return to play. And obviously straight away, as soon as someone says that, they're like, <laughs> like someone that's just, well, I'm ultra competitive, like, but I was just like inwardly thinking, I'll, I'll prove you wrong sort of thing. Like, and then done the rehab, got to about six months. 
six months post-op, then for the full first proper lockdown happened, so the gyms had closed. Um, but at that stage, it was nearly back running and stuff. So came back again. We weren't allowed any collective sport. We weren't allowed to train or play games. And then played a couple of games, came back, felt really good. Um, probably like most athletes or players over lockdown, it was a good chance to sort of get fitter and stronger and get in, in better shape and stuff. Um, came back was going well and then just again one 14th of august 2020 uh day before my 34th birthday and uh just slipped the training and felt a bit of a crack and it wasn't as severe as the first time but um get up and sort of play it on this time and run about and then it was only when I, the next day where i felt it again i was like this feels like I've, I've done something bad MRI again, same damage, nearly worse this time. So I think the second time it happened, uh, Carla was probably, I was just like, there's no way I'm doing that rehab again. All you were during lockdown, I counted near 400 rehab sessions that I'd done just to get back to that stage between the gym with the physios uh, in the pool, all this stuff. And then it just happened really quickly again. So I sort of speaking to a couple of good friends and whatever, it was, Turned 34, um, luckily had a really good career playing for St. Gauls, uh, won everything there is to win in, in the club game, played for Antrim for 10 plus years, um, was lucky and I was just like, do you know what, I'm just going to put my energy into maybe coaching and, and maybe helping others that are there struggling back with injuries. But then it's just, it's like a drug, it's like a, a sports person's drug, you get the operation done again, this time around he says it went really well. He put an extra graft in, so it took a wee touch longer. Um, it was probably sore the second time. And then all of a sudden, you find yourself jogging again. Then you find yourself kicking the ball again. Then it's just, you're back in again. It's sort of the way to describe it is like, it's like the Godfather part three. It's like just when you're out, it drags you back in again. Like So I'm back again, giving it a go. And um, yeah, it was all right. And so this, um, the sort of the injury and, and everything that you've kind of went through has been, um, you, 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 you talked about in an, an episode that I listened to recently on a podcast about you were lying on the sofa and you were feeling that low that you lifted the, the number and you phoned the GPA mm-hmm. helpline and yeah. you hung up and you phoned and you hung up and you phoned and you weren't sure and you didn't know what to say and mm-hmm. um, were was that in and around the injuries as well or it was it was before it all it was before like this was it was before and I suppose the way that linked in with me was that was before that was probably on the back of my dad passing away where I contacted the GPA but like you hear people saying they want resilient players and everyone wants to be resilient and like 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 to do that re- injury once and do the rehab like I was like put everything into it and then it happened again and I knew like like everyone always says find your why and thinks like sports people in, in particular like every time I go to play I have a reason like you know it, like it's obviously dad and stuff was a big driving force um anytime I played on the back of obviously him passing and then during it it was always like do you know what? You don't develop, I don't think, resilience until you go through something that really pushes you to the to the edge, or you know, you come through something and you know you you can be down, but you you don't have to be out. And um, always just felt the whole way through it, like going at different stages where I was like, I can't be bothered doing this. 
um it's not improving um and then just you have conversations with yourself like well i definitely do and most goalkeepers are mad anyway but like the whole time i was thinking was like you know my dad was going through that treatment he, he never gave up or um what would he say to me now and stuff or you know it's just people are going through worse things in life than you know obviously that the sports person getting injured and getting out injuries that like you feel like your your sporting life has crumbled and something you give so much to but um I just kept reminding myself that there's people going through worse things and you can get there in the end like and I think I just all fed into it that I was never gonna I was never not gonna give it a go like and um in the last couple of weeks as well last four weeks I've been I've been called back in with Antrim as well like so um I think I was actually chatting to a physio it was 52 weeks to the day that I got in contact with Helen um that day and I got recalled back in again with Antrim where I was like uh, before I'd spoke to her the message I'd wrote to her was like you know I'm in a mentally don't know where I'm at physically I feel like I'm a male office and stuff and was really just wanted a second opinion to see what she thought like and then it just took it from there and it, um, it just gathered momentum went to there's ACL classes you can go to as well it's just for that injury um, that, that her clinic run and, and it was brilliant just being around people in the same same boat um, you weren't you weren't just doing rehab on your own in the corner of a gym you were with other people in the same position and it was it was a really good atmosphere as well and it um it was it was a big help coming back a second time and with your sort of obviously your injury is like really super impactful for you in the sense of your um your game your sport mm-hmm. your club your life yeah and um, that being your life and um, yeah. And but generally speaking, in terms of like exercise in general and being physically fit, mm-hmm. um, there's such a disconnect between in the Western world between the mind and the body. Right. And um it's so underrated, like <laughs> like doctors, for example, a lot of them will look at the physical body and yeah. not really take into consideration everything that's going on in the mind as well yeah. and like yeah. some of the impacts of not being able to exercise or not being or you know responses to injury can include um sadness again feelings of isolation irritation yeah. for me if i'm if i'm injured or sore and i can't go running yeah. i will literally lose my shit like there's yeah. nothing that pisses me off more it really oh my god so yeah. I I just if, if someone like you plays and trains all the time, yeah, then I could only imagine what what you must have been you know going through, and obviously you're transitioning back in now. Yeah, um, the second time was probably as well was like I got the operation done sixth of October, so like then the gyms closed hmm. like just before Christmas and stuff, and I think because of the second time it was just an innocuous slip, my foot sort of just slipped. Um, it was really icy and stuff that that Christmas, so I was even really reluctant to get, go walking. Like it was like it was it was putting my head away. Like and then I was just like, I'm not. There's no way I'm going to get back from this this time. And um, you just find yourself like your dad and all eating rubbish and all going, sure, I'm not going to play. And uh, and then just I think just once that turn of the year happened that time, and there was like a sort of road out of it, you know, lockdown or COVID and whatever, and. Um, it helped as well. And obviously the gym's reopening. I, I'm, I'm the same. Like if I if I didn't go to a gym or go for a walk or anything, I would feel myself just being like agitated nearly like or 
or irritable like so um it's a it's a big impact like um i think even probably something i struggled well definitely the first time was like being on your own like when you're in a team sport you're not just like it's not just the 15 you're playing with it's like 30 or 40 odd other people like so um then you're just on your own doing the rehab on your own with your earphones in or whatever like it's um it's a it's a it's a tough enough one to sort of try and adjust to like but um yeah. that's a good point actually because you would have always been so used to training yeah. with people and then yeah. you you're were... on your own yeah and like most goalkeepers like in particular myself like I like the sound of my own voice like and like to yeah. think I'm good crack and being in the middle of it and, and stuff like so uh that there was probably a shock to my system like just going like yeah. oh you're standing watching like I didn't realize how bad of a spectator I was uh-huh. until I wasn't able to play or help the, help the team, and uh, like I found, I found myself even like more frustrated because you're like, when you're in the game, it sort of just happens and the adrenaline's going and stuff, and it just sort of bypasses you. But when you're standing watching and you're seeing things happen, and you're less like you're kicking every ball, standing still, like or on crutches, you're just like, <laughs> this needs to hurry up here, like. So, yeah, and, and the patience and the not allowing to get like giving your body that time to heal. I know. Giving your mind that time to heal. And like it's it is so true that the the healing happens when you're still and when you when you you know you pause and give yourself that time. Yeah I definitely done that the second time. I've done that more the the first time I was sometimes like I would have went to DW at Boucher, would have would have went to the gym that morning and then on the way home went into the pool and stuff, like done like two sessions a day trying to get back. The second time, I just took the attitude of if I was feeling sore or just wasn't at it, I was like, I'm not I'm not doing a session here at 60% and then just pissing myself off more. I was like, if I give myself a day's rest or so and then I was chomping at the bit then to do it and I was doing it like with, with intent and stuff, then I felt better for it even, even mentally the second time. So, so I suppose I probably learned things. Um, from the first time doing it to the second time, um, probably the biggest shock was just doing it within eleven months of one another. Like, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's just to be fair though, it, it, the way it sort of happened was I didn't miss that much football because of COVID. Mm-hmm. So like I done I done it the first time and got my first operation in September. Um, everyone's like the the club season sort of comes to an end in October. So there was nothing anyway. So I was trained away anyway, as if on my own anyway. And then it was probably in March time, then when games are due to start, that everyone was, it stopped for everyone. So I think I'd only missed like a handful of games the first time, maybe four games, if, if even. And then the second time, missed, missed the full league, but I wasn't I wasn't rushing myself the second time. Yeah, you learned how to listen to your body then. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully you don't have to learn how to listen to your Jeez, body again. If it's third time lucky, like a no way. And let's go back a wee bit to what you were saying about um sort of like always being in the middle of it and always laughing uh, and joking and all that. Yeah. So um one thing that I picked up on from um one of your previous chats as well was talking about like being the joker and mm-hmm um you um were people always said to you like I wouldn't have ever expected for you to be feeling that way you and you're so bubbly Mm -hmm. and outgoing and funny and class clown and whatever else yeah yeah Um, but 
So, so talk to me a wee bit about that, because like obviously from a sport perspective, like changing room banter, all the boys being together, mm-hmm. um, like there's no real room for hugs and tears and lads, I'm not feeling great today. Right. Like there's no space for that, I would imagine. Yeah. Um, my partner does research, his PhD um research is in you probably know this actually um yes um so his is in sports migration and um footballers who go across the water and come back because they haven't been successful get released and the sort of implications of what they go through sociologically and when he talks to me about that there's only certain things he can talk to me about because a lot of his stuff is confidential um but he like from a research from an interview perspective but when everything he says to me I think of the psychological side of it but um so talk to me a wee bit about that and like the sort of expectations on meals in sport Mm -hmm. I suppose probably me like I was like just always the loudest one and and messing about and I suppose when that I was going through that sort of time, especially after dad had passed away, I was very much my my thoughts were really irrational. Like so, like obviously that was the main thing. But then, like myself, talk to myself, um, um, how I thought about myself, how I treated myself, just wasn't good at all. And it was more or less like if one wee small thing went wrong in my day, I let it escalate to the point where I was just slaughtering myself, like in every way, shape, or form. Um, but then there was like you were able to go to football and, and forget about everything for an hour or so or, or an hour and a half. Do you know, you could like, and especially like the position I play. So like when you're in goals, you're, you're an individual in a team anyway. So a lot of the time, like there's drills and stuff going on and you're just in the goal on your own anyway. So like it was, it was, it was, it was easier for me to hide, hide away or hide away from everyone. Um, and I was really good at putting, putting on a mask, like, I was really good at like deflecting away or you know cracking a joke or saying something going and it's only probably more so the more I've probably tried to raise more awareness myself through it is that like like especially Irish people and and people like like Westies in general like when you ask people are they okay people don't really listen like it's just like how are you I grand you know no there's never a follow-up question like are you, but are you really like you know no one like no one like in them circles or in sporting circles um would do that and um i think more as time went on probably older i've got i wouldn't say i'm more mature well i'd like to think i am a wee bit but um i think the more i've got on the more i would try and make make conversations with people like you know in them environments like you know i'm i don't go around like around the change room or around the like training session self-diagnosing people like oh he's still out with this girl or he's struggling with this or whatever but it's just like you know if you do see someone sort of a wee bit off color um mm. that just asking them well what's a crack or are you all right are you sure and just like sort of leaving the door open that you know they go fuck actually i'm not then he, he had struggled with something so you know i sort of try and leave it that way like um and i would be more aware of people around me now because um changing rooms have changed in the last like from when that my dad's near past 10 years now and changing rooms generations um lads are different now um as well so there's different 
there's different pressures from society. You know, social media is a big, a bigger, um, bigger impact on people. It's, it's, you know, people are scrutinized more and more. Um, and yeah, just even stuff like even gambling, like from, from I've been doing it, online gambling is a big thing with a lot of people now. It's easier access with apps. Mm-hmm. Um, so just, I would just be more aware of, of, of people like, and, and just letting them know that, you know, I'd be there to help if there ever was anything bothering them. And what um what do you mean by overwhelming and intrusive thoughts? Like you don't have to go into that too much if you don't want uh, to, but no, okay. I suppose just like like I was like really irrational, like as in like at the time I was working like temporary job. Um, all my mates were getting married, moving into houses. And I was like, I'm this fucking overgrown, <laughs> overgrown child. My sister had moved to New York at the time. It was just me and my man in the house. And I was like, I'm going to be stuck in the house here forever. Um, and I just really, like, was really harsh on myself. Like, just fucking, like, just to the point where, like, to the point where it was just, like, I just uh, nearly couldn't stand myself. And it was, it was just, it's just a bad way to be, like, and it was just, like, it wasn't. It wasn't until obviously it, it got this stage then where I was like, I either don't want to be here or I want to do something about it. And obviously, I wanted to do something about it too, which is, which is half the battle. And um, as you had mentioned, like on on the previous one, it said like, you know, I had rang and like for somebody that loves to sound their own voice, I couldn't speak to them. I was just like, what am I going to say here and stuff? And I was like, no way. Um, I'm fucking gonna like speak to some stranger about all this and then eventually let them speak back. Um, and then just the weight off your shoulders for doing that. Um, and then again, once I went to counseling and then CBT counseling was where I probably found the biggest thing, biggest change. Um, I had tried medication as, as well. Um, and I found the biggest sort of rewards I got back was the CBT counseling because I said my, my thinking was really irrational and, one of the biggest things that I took took from it and I, I, I and I've took forward from it is that like if you have a bad 15 or 20 minutes in a day that's not a bad day whereas before then I was like oh fuck, that day is gone like that's fucking Mondays are shit Tuesdays are shit you know work is crap everything in my life bar sport is shit and I was like you know it's like if you have a bad 15 or 20 minutes that's not a but it's only that you know you have 23 other hours in a day to make it good mm. and um yeah probably i probably base a lot of like if things do happen now going forward or, or probably in the last nearly 10 years like i've probably just been a lot of it has just been down to you know fuck it, like you know what what can you do what what can you do to change it what can you do you can just learn from it and make things better or, or improve like and i suppose taking that sort of attitude forward as well has probably helped too like yeah and so the CBT you found really helped you to kind of switch your inner dialogue and switch up how you, you spoke to yourself and yeah. and all that. Yeah, like I mean as sports, like as a sport, I keep calling myself, I'm not gonna call myself an athlete, like because goalkeepers just stand there, like but <laughs> um <laughs> sports person, like, but uh like you self-talk during matches or before training, like so like in your normal day-to-day life or like in your work or in your relationships or whatever it may be that like you have to use the same thing and so much of it's transferable anyway so like just 
nicer to myself and probably just not like scrutinizing or being as being negative like you know find myself like and i am a really positive person like but i was just like like the, the negative i would have focused so much on the negative and that would have outdone any positive and i think just sort of flipping that mindset as well um is a big help well that's it because like one person one person could say something really nasty to you and a million people could say something really nice to you but yeah. you only pick on that one wee thing that one person said yeah um because and, and you'll beat yourself up over it because you'll yeah. see it on the sort yeah. of you know what what makes you feel like crap about yourself i know but i think we all do that i we really do. Do. I think we all it's do. even people taking compliments like if someone says oh hey you're looking well that's like, so I, what are you all about like you know you don't really you can't i think people like irish people in general just can't take compliments <laughs> I totally. even if it's a compliment about your clothes it's like oh yeah that was uh that was only 20 pounds or that was <laughs> like it's like what, yeah. what does that I mean know. i know <laughs> and so the the gpa helpline really helped you would yeah. say in terms of like player welfare and, yep. and all that like truly i mean what what level of of player welfare is there out there for like anyone. for everyone well, the only thing is with the, the the gaelic player association so i'm actually doing a role with them at the minute as a like a well-being well well-being and engagement officer um so it's the same so it's basically around all the county squads and letting them know what services are available to them on and off the pitch whether it's well-being education uh, business startup all this there's so much for inter-county players and um i suppose on the in the count or in the club scenes it has it has got better like it's it's like there's there's um there's well-being committees in most clubs um there's there's mental health first aid done um and there's a lot of local charities, especially in you know the likes of West Belfast and stuff that do that do brilliant stuff. So um, there's definitely it's definitely got better from even nine years, nine ten years ago from from um, myself. And without without the GPA, I suppose the difference sort of was like if you went to the GP, you could be on a waiting list. You could you could have been on you go to a local counselling. You know the waiting list, and obviously everything at the minute. You know where there's there's underfunded um the gpa's attitude towards their players is you know whatever it takes mm-hmm. you know if it's it's not just like two sessions and giving a page and you go on about your business it was like i think i started in 2013 and was and maybe maybe it went back again in 2016 2017 mm-hmm. you know not not that wasn't continuous but um through doing the counseling, ringing the helplines and stuff. It was probably, you know, it wasn't an overnight fix, like, but their attitude was, you know, we're, we're here and, and we'll, um, we'll help with whatever you need, like. Yeah. And is that, oh, that's obviously all funded and everything. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah. It's, um, it's through, it's, yeah, it's a Southern, they're based in the South. So um, a lot of, a lot of, um, a lot of their funding comes from the government in the south too, and different fundraisers like. So, um, yeah, they're they're brilliant towards uh, any of the county players like. Good. And um, let me ask you about mental health and game performance. So, oh. like, 
you're saying like, you know, you were kind of isolated in, in a way or like kind of were able to hide away in a way because yeah. you're a goalkeeper, but, yeah. you know, you could show up and feel like crap, but kind of mask it yeah. as such. Um, did you notice any like any dips in your performance when you were feeling low or? Probably like a couple of bit, like not so much. I was, it was probably more, um, it was probably more like if mistakes happened in a match, mm. like I really overreacted, like, like as in like, you know, kicking the post or, you know, stuff where like you're in that position, it's sort of like it's described where like you need to be, a, you need to have a cool head and a hot kitchen being a, like doing goals. Like, so that's sort of, um, and I would be up to Hido anyway when I'm playing, but I think as I've got older as well, I've probably managed that better. Like, as a, like <laughs> I was out like, you know, constantly talking to the whole pitch, like nearly commentating on the pitch. Um, but I think any mistakes that happened, I really let them. Whereas now as well, like the last like, X amount of years, it's just been like, well, I'm going to try and make up for it here if it, if it does happen or, you know, not beat myself up for it or when the match is over. You know, if, if if possible, watch it back and see what like fuck, I could have done that different, as opposed to going, look at this state at, like, what are you doing? Or you know, crucifying yourself. Like, it would have been like three, four day job. Like, we were still thinking about it, like, mm-hmm. like which is completely unhealthy. Like, so, um, probably got away with most matches, um, because I was playing with Antrim and St. Gauls were going really well at that stage, um. It was more of like any wee mistakes. Like one, if if a if like if a kick out didn't go directly to someone or something like that, I was like just like really fucking hone in on that. You know, it could have hit seventeen good ones <laughs> and that one bad one, and then that would have that would have been me like for three days thinking about that bad one. Like, yeah. <laughs> and I think and, in goals as well, your mistakes are like your mistakes are much more highlighted. Do you know if you make a mistake in there? It's probably a goal. It could. It's a game changing moment, probably. Whereas a forward at the other end of the pitch, like and a lot of my good mates are forwards, won't mind me saying this as well. It's like they could have seven chances in a match, miss six and score one and be a hero. Mm-hmm. Where it's flipped on the other side. Whereas everything you do now and in the modern game, the position has just come under more and more spotlight. So um, uh, it's um. Just got, I think it's just got better that the older I've got. <laughs> yeah, well, it's a lot of pressure. Like, yeah, I mean, I like it too. Like, it's a weird one. Like, I enjoy that the pressure that comes with it. Like, but it's just like, yeah, it's just like managing the mis- like any of the mistakes. No, no, I wouldn't, I wouldn't crucify myself nowhere near what I would have like. <laughs> yeah, um, and we said we'd maybe come back and talk about a wee bit about trauma. So mm-hmm. we'll maybe talk a wee bit about trauma and then, um. I'll let you go because as yep. we record this, Chris is trying to put his coat on because he's got an antenatal class to get to. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're doing everything now. Like. That'll be but a different thing. I'll be honest with elbow, definitely. <laughs> um, but trauma, like, so we, we touched on it a wee bit. Obviously, trauma could be uh, your injury, obviously, you yep. know, losing your dad. Um, yep could be having a car crash it could be falling anything. out with a friend you know it could be anything um did have you like talk to me a wee bit about your experience with trauma or sort of what you perceive trauma to be yeah. in relation to your mental health journey 
Yeah, I suppose probably. I suppose because like my dad passing, he had he had cancer, so it wasn't like um, it wasn't like a like he dropped dead or he you know car accident or something something like that. It was like where it's just instant. It's like fuck, that's took me by surprise. I think with sort of because he had cancer, it was like you know he was diagnosed in July. And he passed away then eight and a half months later, which was, I suppose it was quick enough turnaround, but you're always thinking, you're always seeing like the reaction to the treatment and stuff, good days, bad days, all that. And then just the worst of sort of the ups and downs. And when he got really, he got really sick, then you're sort of just like, you're nearly at the stage where you're like, you know, you'd rather just him out of his misery nearly like like as opposed to living like that because it wasn't it wasn't the man that I knew or recognised like so I suppose you're sort of in your head with with you know anyone that has or has dealt with anyone that had, has cancer like it's sort of like it's just like a roller coaster it's up and down like you know it's and you can't do anything about it it's just basically trying to keep spirits up and all that stuff Um, but I think when you're I think it would have been worse probably if it had just been a sudden thing you know a sudden like that was it Whereas sort of during those eight or nine months, you sort of, you probably play it over in your head going, what if he does pass away here? Or what if that does happen? And you're sort of going through all them scenarios as opposed to just being, you're just being hit with it there and then. Um, but that journey, sort of, that experience in general is extremely traumatic too. I, it's probably just on the back of that. Like again, I find myself very lucky, like with playing sport that you have that escape. Yeah, I had that escape from it all. Um, had really good friends, family and stuff around me. So, it didn't feel too bad and generally throughout it all bar the maybe the last sort of load of weeks that's when he sort of he had suffered like you know he it got the it you know went up and down within the hospital but throughout most of it he, he handled it well and um, responded well to treatment so um i think it probably it was probably just the knock like obviously all the stages of grief then you go through but um in that sense and then in terms of the injury like I like Maria jokes like uh, I said the first time the first time I done it I was like for about the, honestly the first just because I described you the first time was the noise and the, the crunching sensation and the first time the first like I'd say easily for the first four weeks like it was waking me up in the middle of the night like the thought of it just this like wincing nearly like you're just like Fuck. you know it's and only speaking the physios and the, the surgeons on the back of it they're like no it's like that happens like it's mm-hmm. complete, so there's probably a, a bit of trauma there like you know especially right. the first time the first time was just the noise of it just I don't think I'll ever leave me the the noise and sensation of it but um second time wasn't it didn't feel nowhere near as bad like so I think on that front you're just like I suppose that's the, the whole point of that like nearly that injury as well you're just like so you do all that rehab, you do nine months, like the minimum is probably nine months. It can be 10, it can be 12, just depending on the, the person or it could be before, but they say sort of minimum nine months before you can get back to full sport. But then it may take you another two months to get back to maybe confident enough. Like you're gonna like the first couple of trainings, you go back, you have to wear a bib, different colored bib. So no one's really coming near you. So you're breaking yourself back in. Um you're probably weary them first couple of tackles or them first couple of ball coming in or you have to change direction. Yeah. Um, so all that stuff too, you're trying to like, and that was, that, that I said, it's brilliant about Helen's clinic, um, focus, focus physio performance. It's in Ahar. They do all the classes. So they're building you towards it at different stages of the injury. So like by the time I was getting ready to go back, 
they have tackle bags out they're setting up drills in the gym so you're taking contact in the gym so that it's not a shock to you when you go back straight back in the train the biggest person the train hits you and you're like what the f- was that like <laughs> you feel like you've been you feel like you've been hit by a glider or something but uh they're building that into your rehab so like each time compared to the first time each time i was driving away from that class or a session with them you were like you were buzzing like like i was laying away couldn't like like as in like like a, like a fucking a five-year-old at christmas like just completely buzzing like going fuck i'm getting closer here like this is definitely going well this time and every like went on a monday night every monday like i was just coming back going fuck i'm definitely closer this time like and then you just have to go back in and, and see how it goes like but uh it's it's a it's a mad old journey or it's like Definitely, the, like I said, the second time I was like, I'm not doing that, point blank. I'm not, because it was the second time I thought about it more, going like, obviously at this stage, I was thinking, like, I want to be able to, like, if I have kids and like with one on the way here, like, you know, I want to be able to run about after them or kick the ball with them. I don't want to be in this knee, like, you know, holding me back from even going to the gym or going for a walk or running and kicking the ball about with your kids or whatever or coaching and stuff. So, I thought about it more that time, the second time, and then again, it just it just ropes you back in. Everything starts going well again, and then you're just like, "Fuck it, I'll try it here." Like, is your um? Do you know if you're having a boy or a girl? No, I haven't found out. So, and do you think you'll let them play? Oh, I <laughs> they don't have a choice. <laughs> They'll not have a choice. And here, so for people going through particularly uh, injury uh-huh. and experiencing some mental health struggles or feeling a little bit isolated or frustrated or, you know, just, yeah. you know, or worse or having intrusive thoughts or just maybe an identity crisis as yeah. um, my partner studies as well. Um, what, what advice would you give to them? Suppose like, I've compared it before, like that, you know, doing a cruciate and, and how long it takes compared to like, you know, if you are struggling with your mental health, that like it is very similar because like, you know, at the at the time you may be like at your lowest, you may be, you may be struggling, you may be either like, you know, whether it's any mental health illness or any physical, that that injury in particular, like how long it takes, you know, and my biggest thing I probably learned from it from both was it's just it's actually just taken day by day. Like uh, the first time when I done the cruciate, I was like, fuck, I was just thinking nine months time, 10 months time, me back playing happy days. And like, you're missing all the small goals in between nearly. Where the second time I was just like, right, day on day, I want to nearly feel better. If I feel day on day better, then I'm getting somewhere and then, right, want to see the improvement in a week. Fuck, I couldn't do that a week ago. Then, you know, two weeks and then four months, like a month, I couldn't do that a month ago. Like, there's a video I posted a video on my Instagram actually. Like, I didn't know. Like, the I had to self isolate as well when I came out of fucking getting the cruise done the first time. So I was like, the only time I could get out was put my head out the back window on crutches, and then I done a wee lap with like a wee green here. Like, it's like a wee, a wee loop like type thing, and um, I went out and walked around it. It must have taken me. Honestly, it would take me if I went out now and walked it. It would take you. A minute but it must have taken me about 25 minutes to half an hour to get around this but i didn't i didn't realize like at the time i was like maria needed this house and um maria videoed me in the top 
out of the bedroom, we sneak behind the curtain or something. <laughs> and um, it, I was walking around there, and then it was like that. It took me near twenty five minutes. I was just like, "Fuck me!" Like, and then as weeks went on, then I seen I was able to run and jog and whatever. Then, then you're full sprinting and stuff again. Like, so it's just like all those wee small things. Like, basically, I just took day by day. You know, reading. I'd done like a wee diary. You know of how each day went nearly um, and just setting yourself small goals because I think the smaller gains add up to the, the bigger goals further down the lane and that's what, that's what definitely helped me get back like and thankfully touch wood here like it's things have went well got back fully playing say call back in with Antrim and um, yeah you'll eventually get there like I think just um, being around positive people as well, like, like I can't, I can't listen to any negativity. Like, nearly, like, no, like, I just like even the news and stuff, or you know, drainers. Then people that drain your energy. Like, I just, I can't, I can't, I can't deal with. It. Like, and I think if you're around sort of like-minded people and um, people that are going to push you on and, and and better you, then then you'll then you will get there. Like, and with the right help, it's like mental health as well. If you need to reach out to a counselor or a GP to to receive help, do you know that. It's the same as like a physio or or strength and conditioning coaches. You know, don't be afraid to reach out and and, and contact the experts because they'll they'll look after you mentally and physically too. Like, brilliant. Well, thank you so much. Um, problem, where can people find you online if they wanted to see more about your journey? Or you yeah, know? so I done um I done it on like the we the we Instagram page just head health matters because I suppose that as well like. For 30 odd years, all that mattered to me was my physical health, like, and then on the back of all this, like, just thought that, um, do you know, if people can, I've shared stuff from, like, different rehab, like, nearly done most of the rehab the whole way through it, um, as well, different videos of it, um, and then just any, uh, anything I have or any charity or any, any VPs ask me to share stuff, I just share it on it, like, on Instagram. Brilliant. And you do talk a good wee bit about what you're up to in terms of events on your LinkedIn as well, don't you? Yeah, just different ones like like it's like even darkness and delight there at the weekend. Yeah. It. Um they'd asked me the the last couple of years just doing like just promote it and you know it's 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 good, it's a really good event. Like although like you're getting up at half three in the morning, mm. you're just walking in pitch black, and then I suppose it is like Touch wood. I've never, never had anyone close to me that's lost by suicide. But you can see the families or the people that that are there. So like, it's it's yeah. good to lend your support. And and like, I landed there and I thought, for him, just want to be there and just walk in the crowd. And the Pips charity gave me a <laughs> gave me a student vest and I had and a walkie talkie. And I was dragging traffic like I had no clue. Like, but, um, <laughs> but it was if it helped on the day as well. Like then you know I enjoy doing that too. Like so, good. It's um, anything to help. Well, look, thanks for um, coming on and giving your time. And um, as you said, something similar earlier, like if you're even just helping one person or you know, shining a wee bit of light, then that's kind of why, why you do what you do. And that's yeah. also why this podcast exists. So um, pleasure to have you on and thank you. Thanks very much, Carla. Thank you.